When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What's up? What's up? What's up? Happy Saturday, Ram fam. We are back with another edition of the DNBR Rams podcast presented by Chevalier Mortgage. I'm Justin Michael. I've been on vacation this week. Little getaway uh, for the birthday for my girlfriend. It was it was a lot of fun. It was it was good to be up in the mountains, get some fresh air. You know, some of it was a little bit smoky. It was it was really hot up there, but it was it was definitely a blast. And now I'm back. I'm I'm back. I'm ready to roll. I'm excited for football season. We've got media day coming up uh, this uh, coming Tuesday, and then that's going to be a blast. We're going to have our first scrimmage coming up a week from today. So there's a lot going on, a lot to be excited for. You know, obviously, because I was on vacation, I unfortunately wasn't able to be at the first couple of days of camp. But, you know, they weren't wearing pads. It's all in shorts and T-shirts and stuff. So not not a massive deal. I, I would have preferred to have been there, but it is what it is. Sometimes you book things and you hope that it works out. And in this particular case, it just didn't. The time didn't work out like I was hoping. That's okay, though. You know, it's it's really going to start getting interesting over the next couple of weeks. And that's why I'm going to do a two-part podcast, which is just the questions I have for the position groups on offense and defense heading into, you know, the 2021 CSU football season. And I'll be honest, you know, I'm I'm pretty optimistic about this team. The more I the more I watch, the more I look into, you know, their numbers, the more I just kind of look at it all. I've I've said a bunch of times that the schedule is really hard and I'm gonna have an in-depth season preview where it kind of outlines all this stuff for DNVR members, but I don't know. I just with the with the talent on this roster, it's hard to at least not feel, you know, decent going into the season. But being fair, I'm, you know, naturally an optimist. And, you know, sometimes that can bite me in the butt a little bit. But that's okay. I'd I'd rather live that way. I'd rather live viewing, you know, the glass half full and and not half empty. I've I've lived on both sides of of that argument. And and generally speaking, it's much more fun to be an optimist when there's at least logical reason to be, you know, excited. I I don't want to be just a complete homer here and, you know, act like everything's perfect. And that's why I'm going to you know, outline my concerns going into the season as well. And there, you know, there's a lot of unproven's with this team. There's depth concerns in the secondary. Obviously, you know, neither of the quarterbacks are all that proven. You know, you need the offensive line to be good. It it should be much better in theory, but you need them to actually go out and do it. So there's there's a lot. You know, who's the number two receiver? I'm going to get into all of this in the next week, but just for today, I'm going to go over you know, five things I'm looking for on the offensive side of the football 
in training camp, which I'm, I'm really, really excited for. Before we dive into all of that, I have to shout out my friends over at Chevalier Mortgage. You guys, it is stressful trying to buy a house right now. If you've attempted this process, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The housing market in Colorado, it's insane. Let Mike and Virginia Chevalier take the burden off this extremely difficult process. They're going to alleviate so much stress and take some of that worry off of your plate. Chevalier Mortgage's ultimate goal is to take the stress out of buying and refinancing. They strive to give their borrowers options with their full financial picture in mind with the highest level of integrity, always putting their borrowers first. Mike and Virginia are proud DNVR members. They're CSU alum. They work nights. They work weekends. They're going to do what it takes to make sure their clients are getting the best loan for their situation. Right now, they actually have a fun perk for DNVR listeners. Visit them at dnvrmortgage.com and you can enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat of your choice when you do. Most importantly, you're going to get set up with a free consultation to discuss all your options. That's dnvrmortgage.com. You can also call Mike directly at 970-412-2472 or again, visit dnvrmortgage.com. Michael Chevalier, NMLS number 1931006. Virginia Chevalier, NMLS number 1910631. All right, let's get into it. Before we go with the main content, the main entree, if you will, today's appetizer is a little bit disappointing. It's the news that, you know, the Broncos have moved on from Warren Jackson. He obviously signed as an undrafted free agent after going undrafted this past spring. Really, really, it sucks. You know, I obviously didn't see it coming just the other day. You know, he was talking about how Rod Smith told him there's still some juice left in that number 80. I obviously obviously published a story on that and a couple hours after it went live, you know, he ended up getting waived and that was a, that that was a bummer. It was, you know, I I felt kind of like an asshole in that situation. I obviously looked like I didn't know what I was talking about, but beyond that, you know, I just, I felt bad for him. It was, it's always brutal when you know these guys and you know how hard they work, but I do think that it can kind of be a blessing in disguise just because, you know, as many have pointed out on Twitter, the wide receiver room, it's it's really deep. You know, even in that feature that I wrote, you know, talking about can Warren Jackson be the next great undrafted wide receiver for the Broncos? You know, I, I mentioned the fact that it was going to be hard for him to get on the field. And, you know, that has nothing to do with his talent or, you know, his ability to make plays or or anything like that. It's just the fact that, you know, one, there's a lot of established players on the team. Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick, Jerry Judy. I mean, all of those guys are guaranteed reps. KJ Hamler's going to get on the field. You know, they invested highly in him. And and even beyond that, some of the guys they took in later rounds, you know, Seth Williams and Tyree Cleveland out of Florida. Like, these are people that the Broncos invested draft capital in. And because of the politics and how that all plays out, you know, they were going to likely get more opportunities. And beyond that, that's not even getting into Trinity Benson or Kendall Hinton. And both of those guys, you know, can operate as returners and and gunners and, you know, whatever else you need on special teams as well. Not that Warren couldn't have a role on special teams, but he's not going to return kicks for you. He's not going to return punts for you. Those two guys give you that ability. You know, I was at Broncos training camp on Saturday and I, uh, one of the people that, that really stood out to me was Kendall Hinton at wide receiver, you know, the guy that filled in as the, as the quarterback for the Broncos last year because of COVID that was still 
such a gnarly situation. I can't believe the NFL made them play that game. But, you know, now he's back at his his natural position of wide receiver. And he really stood out in, in OTAs. And he's really stood out in training camp as well. So there was just, there was a lot of hurdles for Warren Jackson getting on the field, at least this season with the Broncos. You know, you don't know what the future for Tim Patrick holds. We don't know even what the future for Cortland Sutton holds. But at the moment, you know, the, the Broncos, they they kind of lacked depth, that linebacker after Josie Jewell and Baron Browning both got injured. And because of that, you know, they brought in, you know, I, knew, I don't even remember his name, some no-name linebacker who has never contributed much, but they just have so much depth at wide receiver that they could kind of spare Warren. And that's unfortunate, but it could be a blessing in disguise because it's really, really early in the process. He still has time to go land in another camp. Or potentially even, you know, get brought back to Denver. You know, sometimes it's it's kind of a chessboard with how these teams operate. They release guys for a week and then they bring them back for a month and then they cut them again and then, then they bring them back. I don't wish that for Warren. You know, I'd rather see him land in another camp or, you know, go play for another team that is more desperate for wide receiver production. As you know, much as the the Rod Smith storyline and the comparisons and all that would be, you know, really fun for the fans and for people like me. Ultimately, I just want what's best for Warren, and I want him to get an opportunity to play and to kind of prove himself. Much like you know, BC Johnson has with Minnesota, less so after they brought in Justin Jefferson, and that sucked. But you know, he he's still gotten an opportunity. You know, a lot of a lot of people weren't expecting a seventh round wide receiver out of Colorado State to produce in Minnesota, you know, the media, their fans, they weren't expecting BC to be a guy that came in and, and, you know, played valuable snaps that started in place of Adam Thielen when he went down. They didn't expect that, but he proved them wrong. And I, I hope Warren gets that same opportunity, you know, kind of a similar deal with Preston Williams. You know, obviously his hype was a little bit greater, you know, as a former number one recruit and five-star guy coming out of Tennessee. People knew who Preston Williams was much more so than, you know, Warren Jackson, at least on a national level. But he was still an undrafted player. And, you know, I guarantee you a lot of Dolphins fans were like, who's this Preston Williams guy? Came out and blew everyone away. Warren just needs that opportunity. And I hope he gets it, you know, in Denver or somewhere else. But I just want him to get that opportunity to play. All right. One, uh, one last thing on the Broncos before I kind of dive into these questions I have for the CSU offense and training camp and over the next month and all that. You know, like I said, I was at Broncos training camp on Saturday, and I just couldn't help but, you know, kind of think of all the parallels. It's just two fan bases that are desperate, absolutely desperate for their teams to return to glory after what's been a half decade of basically misery and frustration and you know, the Broncos, have they've had it worse than CSU. I mean, technically, CSU's had some winning seasons in that time. The Broncos have just been a train wreck post-Peyton Manning. But even so, you know, these are, these are two teams that are, they're really hoping that their, you know, team goes back to that former competitive state. And, you know, it's, it's really going to come down to the quarterback for both of these teams. Both of them technically have quarterback competitions going in. You know, the Broncos is much more public with Teddy Bridgewater versus Drew Locke, but I kind of do think there is a little bit of a quarterback competition here at CSU. I don't think you're bringing in Matt Vilecci if you don't think that he can at least push Todd Santeo and compete. And, you know, that kind of brings me to my first question for this CSU offense is, 
does Todd Santeo do enough over the next month to kind of keep his job? And it, it maybe have it'll maybe have to extend into the regular season a little bit. I, I do think he's the front runner to land the starting gig at least going into Week One. But if the offense really struggles against South Dakota State and Vanderbilt, you know, does it turn into a situation where we have multiple quarterbacks? We already saw last year that Steve Adazio, he has no qualms, you know, rotating quarterbacks, whether it be at the beginning of the season, all season, you know, much like, you know, Mike Bobo early in his tenure, he's willing to kind of go back and forth to give each guy live reps and let him duke it out and see, you know, kind of who can come out and be the last man standing. There's, you know, pros and cons to that approach. I would say it's hard for quarterbacks to establish chemistry and rapport with wide receivers when you're switching back and forth. I've I've heard that from both sides. I think it's it's tough from a confidence standpoint. You need your quarterback to feel like he's the guy. You don't want him looking over his shoulder and, and second guessing every single decision. It's just hard to operate that way. And I, I really don't think that's the key to success. But you know, playing devil's advocate you should force guys to compete and, and we kind of need one of these guys to take the reins and, you know, go for it because there is enough talent at the skill positions for CSU to be competitive. You know, I'm, I'm not saying they're going to win the Mountain West. I, I think that would be very unlikely, but this is a team that should, you know, be competitive and be in the mix for a bowl game. I'd like to see them, you know, go seven and five, eight and four. That'd be awesome. But it's really going to come down to, you know, how improved is the run game and all that. And we're going to dive into all of that, but it all starts with the quarterback position. They need the QB play to be more consistent than what they got last year. And, you know, maybe part of the problem was the fact that they were rotating back and forth. And I, I would say that if CSU was still rotating back and forth, you know, into the end of non-conference play, that would mean that the Rams are probably not going to win a whole lot of games that season. Cause it means they're struggling offensively. It means they haven't figured out their identity. I really think getting off to a hot start is going to be paramount just given how tough their their conference slate is with Nevada and San Jose State and Hawaii and all these teams with good quarterbacks, experienced players. But even beyond that, it's it's a pretty difficult start in non-conference play. So it's just going to be interesting to see, you know, which one of these guys, whether it be the Boston College transfer, Matt Vilecci, or Todd Santeo can kind of take the reins and, you know, move the chains and just keep the ball moving downfield. That's really all Santeo needs to do. You know, I think he's the front runner, so we'll we'll talk about him. I think a big key for him is using his athleticism. He's obviously a good runner. Extend plays, improvise, but you can't take big sacks. You know, you can't you can't, you know, run for a first down on one play and then get sacked for a loss of nine on the other. It can't be erratic. It's got to be consistent. He's just got to be effective in play action situations. I think that's going to be one of the biggest keys for him. You have an incredible group of tight ends. You have wide receivers that are really athletic. You know, be quick, get the ball in the hands of Dante Wright, Trey McBride, and use that play action to the best of your ability. I think the running game is going to be pretty effective. So I just think Santeo needs to take advantage of that and use his skill set. He doesn't have the biggest arm in the world, but he doesn't necessarily need it. You know, they're not going to be, you know, going five wide and dropping bombs all the way down the field. You do need to be able to take a shot here and there, and he has a good enough arm to get that done. But ultimately, it's just going to be about keeping the chains moving, protecting the football, you know, running running, and, and eating up clock. It's going to be a little bit of an old-school approach, not necessarily all that sexy, but it can be really effective, especially if you have a, 
a good group of running backs and a talented offensive line. And I guess that kind of brings me to my next couple of questions. And, and we'll start with the running backs here. You know, what is Marcus McElroy's role going to be? I got to imagine, and I've I've heard this a little bit that, you know, he was not mad, but a little fired up that they brought in another veteran running back. And that makes sense. You know, he came back, used his extra year of eligibility to return. And now they brought in David Bailey from Boston College, and he's presumably going to be the lead horse. I'd be pretty surprised if he's not their, their you know, running back one for most of the season, maybe week one. It's a little bit of a running back by committee approach, but I think, you know, as the season progresses, it's definitely going to be David Bailey's role. He's just so big and strong and he has good vision. And I think he's faster than Marcus is. That's, you know, not a, not a knock on Marcus or anything like that. He's just a really, really good player. You know, he's rushed for a thousand yards in the ACC came close to doing it another time was an all ACC selection or second team, all ACC selection, one of his seasons at Boston college. So he's a guy that's proven he can produce McElroy. He's had good games. You know, I think back to that Fresno state game a couple of years ago was really, really good in that 2019 matchup, probably the best game of his career, but he struggled to, to find that consistency. And, you know, I, I would like to see maybe a fired up McElroy, you know, results in him coming out with some fire under his legs and, he, he produces in a way that we haven't seen. That would be awesome. You know, best case scenario, you have two guys that you can trust in the power game. And then, you know, you bring in Ajon Vivens to be your change of pace type back. And, you know, you get him involved in the passing game as well. I think there's a lot of opportunities, especially with his receiver background, you know, obviously with, with quick screens and stuff like that, but even, you know, Texas routes and slants and all kinds of stuff. I mean, just be creative and find ways to get the ball into the hands of your best playmakers, guys like Dante Wright, but also guys like Ajon Vivens. You know, he's he's pretty effective with the ball in his hands. He's quick, he's shifty, he runs deceptively hard for a guy of his size. I mean, going back and, and especially watching, you know, that Wyoming game last year and Fresno State game, I mean, he was going hard. He was, he was dropping the shoulder a little bit. He doesn't shy away from contact, and I love that. I Again, I just, I think there's a lot of talent at the skill positions. I'm, I'm really intrigued by this group and I'm excited to see how John Budmeyer fi- manages to, you know, work them all into the fold. All right. I've got a couple of more questions. I'm going to dive into the receivers next. Before I do though, DraftKings Sportsbook, not only my favorite sports book, but also America's top rated sports book. Speaking of America, our top athletes are over in Tokyo competing for the gold and DraftKings has a medal worthy offer for just my listeners. Listen to it. All you got to do is place a pre-event wager of $1 to be eligible to cash $100 in free credits if America wins any medal this year. That's 101 odds on an American athlete to stand on the podium and receive gold, silver, or bronze this week. 101 odds on an offer like this doesn't come around often. So sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook now get in on all of that action. I love using DraftKings Sportsbook because it's easy to navigate, has plenty of instructions for new bettors, nearly limitless ways to get in on all of the action. My friends, my family, everyone has been loving DraftKings Sportsbook. I know you will too. Download the top-rated app now. Use the promo code DNVR when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free credits if America wins a medal. Again, that code DNVR when you sign up at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, restrictions to apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. 
I also want to shout out the friends over at Solace Meds. That's right, we partnered with a premier dispensary for you guys to get some smoking hot deals with. Solace Meds has four convenient Colorado locations, one in Fort Collins, one in Wheat Ridge, one off of Broadway, one just blocks away on East Colfax from the DNVR bar. Solace has some banging deals the entire month of August. Here's a forward to look forward to. Dixie Elixirs are two for 30. My guy D-Line, our designer, absolutely loves those. Spectra products are 20% off. Ripple are 25% off. Silver Shelf Flower is 15% off. And Connoisseur's Shelf Concentrates are 15% off. If you head into any location, you can get a free Solace Bar or King Cone when you mention the code DNVR20. That's any location of Solace, Bed, of Solace Meds. Excuse me. You're going to receive 20% off and get a free Solace Bar or King Cone. Remember, you can take advantage of all these amazing deals when you use the code DNVR20 at checkout. Solace Meds makes your cannabis shopping experience a delight. Head to their website, view their menu, order online, and pick up at your convenience. That's S-O-L-A-C-E-Meds.com. Purchase from there. They will make it easy peasy. Make sure you're taking advantage of all these awesome deals all August long. All right, all right, all right. Going to get back on track and finish these questions here in just a second. Before I do, though, going to give you my DraftKings pick of the week. It's that time of year where you start looking at total team wins. They've got all kinds of fun props on DraftKings Sportsbook. They have the Kansas City Chiefs over 12 and a half listed at plus 105. You know, with the extra game this year, that would be 13 and four or better. I know that's a lot of wins, but just with that offense, I I have a hard time seeing them lose more than four times. I don't know. You know, anything can happen in the league and, you know, obviously they haven't gone undefeated or anything like that, but I feel pretty confident that the Chiefs are going to be really, really good this year coming off of that Super Bowl loss. I just think they're going to be hungry because of that. My DraftKings pick of the week, Kansas City Chiefs, over 12 and a half wins this year at plus 105. Lock it in. Make yourself a little bit of moolah. All right, let's, let's talk about the wide receivers. Obviously, Dante Wright is going to be the number one wide receiver. I don't really think, you know, barring injury, that's even in question. Who's the number two, though? You know, there's a lot of different guys I could potentially, you know, see stepping up and kind of filling that role as, as CSU's number two guy. My, I guess, front runner, the guy that I most expect it to be, is actually the new guy, Jordan Kress, the transfer from New Mexico. I really like his game. I think he has the opportunity to be a guy that really helps CSU stretch the field a little bit. He was kind of, you know, UNM's deep ball threat, you know, with the over the last couple of seasons. He never really had a quarterback there. And that's unfortunate because I think he probably could have put up much bigger numbers than he ultimately did. But I think he's going to be a really really strong addition to this team. And I'm really excited to see what he ends up doing. Another guy, you know, that wouldn't surprise me, EJ Scott, you know, Mike Bobo absolutely raved about EJ Scott. It feels like it was about 10 years ago now, but you know, he has the talent. He just hasn't been able to stay healthy. He seems to be in a, in a really good state of mind. He's tweeting a lot of really positive stuff. It's encouraging, you know, just as a follower to see him, I'm, I'm rooting for him. I think you know, somebody that's been through as much as EJ has definitely deserves to have that breakout season to, you know, push through and and persevere after what's been a really long journey. But, 
it's all going to come down to whether he can stay healthy or not. And so far in his career, he he hasn't really been able to do it. But we shall see. You know, Ty McCullough, maybe this is the the time we we finally see him break out. He was a highly anticipated, you know, signee coming out of California, you know, and out pick CSU, you know, over some P5 schools, over some other Mountain West schools on, you know, TV. Everyone was really excited. So far, you know, he hasn't really, you know, I, I won't hold last year against him, you know, and his true freshman year before that. Really, it's it's tough to make an impact at that point. But this is kind of the, the prove it year for him, I think. You know, this is his opportunity to be one of the top three guys in the in the wide receiver rotation. And he just kind of needs to carve out his role. You know, maybe he ends up being a slot guy. I think EJ is probably better suited for that. But, you know, maybe he ends up lining up on the outside. I'm, I'm not sure how frequent, frequently we're going to see CSU go with four wide receivers. So a lot of these guys are going to have to kind of make the most of their opportunities. I just... I don't really think it makes sense given the talented tight ends you have. You know, you want to do a lot of two tight end sets with Cam Butler and Trey McBride. I imagine they want to get Brian Palendi on the field as well. They got a lot of different options to kind of mix it up schematically and and give defenses a variety of different looks. And it's just going to be up to one or two of these receivers to kind of step up and be that guy opposite of Dante Wright. Because last year, you know, nobody really did. It was all about Dante and Trey and, it got to a point where they were basically just trying to force feed those to the ball because they didn't really have another reliable target. They hoped it would be Nate Craig Myers over the last couple of years and it never ended up being. And he ended up transferring to, to UCF and he'll play his final year there. Hopefully he's able to carve out a good season, but just didn't work out the way that CSU was hoping for. Hopefully one of these guys can kind of step up and be that guy. All right, I got two more offensive questions. Um, this one's not really a question, I guess, but I, I want to know who ends up being the starting five in the trenches. I think you're going to end up playing seven or eight offensive linemen, but they have a, a lot of different guys that have played at a lot of different positions over their career, and that's good because it gives you some flexibility, but I do think they kind of want to lock it down as best as they can. What's what's funny, I, I would say the only thing I'm really confident is that Barry Wesley will be the starting left tackle. And even then, because I said that, there's always like a possibility he'll get moved to guard because that's the way the universe works. But he's been really consistent over the last couple of years. He's been their their best offensive lineman. He has great size, moves well. I think you trust him the most at this point. He's been really durable. That's obviously a big factor at left tackle. At left guard, you know, that you could go a variety of ways. I'd imagine it's probably Elijah Johnson, at least to start the season. You know, I, I imagine he's at least one of the guard spots, I should say. At center, I expect it to be Cam Reddy. At right guard, again, like you could go Vincent Bacazzi, but I think he's probably going to be the right tackle. So I'd, I'd maybe put Ches Jackson there. And then, you know, a couple of swing guys, you know, maybe you get Gage Gaynor worked into the mix a little bit. Keith Williams has obviously played a lot of football. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up being the swing guy on both sides of the of tackle. It's you have a lot of different options. You know, you've you've brought in some Temple guys, some Boston College guys. You're trying to kind of redefine that position group. We heard from Izzy Matthews on the pod uh, about a month ago about how soft that offensive line was in 2018. And really, you know, they they haven't quite found that identity even since then. You know, the just, you know, CSU used to always be known for having a strong offensive line and that's really what's been lacking these last couple of years, and it's really held the team back. So whoever it is, 
it needs to be effective because it's going to be very, very important that this team is able to run the ball effectively. Sometimes football is kind of simple, you know, it's, it's not rocket science. It's just a game. All right. The, uh, the last question I have, and I guess this is technically special teams, but they score points. You know, who is going to be the starting kicker? You've got three different guys that have all seen the field in a variety of different capacities with Robert Liss, Caden Camper, and Jonathan Terry. You know, Jonathan Terry handled the kickoffs last year. You know, there's a potential for him to be at. Obviously, he has a big enough leg if that's what he was doing. You have Robert Liss, who was pretty good in moments last year. You know, four to seven in total. Hit a really, really big field goal in the win over Wyoming. And then you have Caden Camper, you know, who kind of was the the guy in 2019, hit 7 to 13 field goals that year. You'd like a little bit more consistency than that. I mean, you could say the same thing about Robert List, but he was a true freshman last year playing in a COVID season. Pretty impressive, all things considered. I don't know, you know, maybe maybe they go with a, a combo type deal. It wouldn't surprise me if one of them handles kickoffs, another guy ends up being the main kicker. Maybe you have a a normal field goal kicker and a distance field goal kicker. There's a lot of different options, but it's intriguing that they have three different guys all that have played and all can give you a little bit of a, a different look. My my money at this point, and this is just purely my gut feeling, it would go on Robert Liss. I just think you know, you're investing in the future. He was good enough last year that you you give him the benefit of the doubt unless he's just really bad in camp or something like that. But you know, I think you like what you saw last year and you try and build off of that. But I am curious to see, you know, maybe Camper is able to to work his way into the mix. He obviously has the experience. Or Jonathan Terry, you know, he's only done kickoffs before, but maybe he he improved on his accuracy and he becomes the guy. There's there's a lot of different options there. It's basically the complete opposite of the punter position where you have no questions whatsoever. You know, Stoney's the guy. Cool. That's that's all I have for this portion. Uh, we'll continue with the defensive guys on the next podcast. Thank you to everybody that continues to listen. It's a blast. I'm really looking forward to football season. It's going to be you know, a little different this year with me not being based in Fort Collins. I'm going to get up there as much as possible. You know, I'll ob- obviously be there for games, so I'm going to try and be there you know, at least one practice a week, still you know, be there for the press conferences, stuff like that. I definitely want to keep you know, my finger on the pulse, and I love Fort Collins. You know, it's my... It'll always be home. You know, Denver's where I'm from. I'm from Lakewood. I'm I'm back living, you know, in my hometown, and that's great. It's good to be with family. I'd I'd really miss them. I'd been away for a long time. But Fort Collins is my other home and I'm I'm gonna miss it. You know, it's gonna be really weird. It's it's already weird, you know, not just being able to go get some Jim's wings or crazy Carls or Mamaronis or so many classics, man. I just love it. So I'm I'm really looking forward to football season. Really looking forward to camp and being back up there again. It's It's going to be good. It's going to be a good fall. We're all going to make it through. Hope everybody has a good week. Stay safe out there. Much love, y'all. Thanks for listening to the DNVR Rams podcast presented by Chevalier Mortgage. Peaches out of Palisades, sweet as mama's marmalade. This shit sound like summer days, the windows down on harmony. The family band sing harmonies, my daddy played the drums. My mama slapped that bass, my sister sang these songs. Dancing under canopies, we thank the trees for all their leaves. We are just some drops of water together, make up seven seas. And one day I'll be like my father, one day I will learn to breathe. I'm choking on the thought that I am not the man I want to be.